I, I think my all-time favorite ending to a song is a song does does it really have an ending? It's uh, it's uh, uh, Count Basie's April in Paris. And if you ever heard it, it's just it, it, it ends so boffo and so big, and the band is going da 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 April in Paris, April in Paris, April in Paris. And then silence, and Basie says one more time, <laughs> and they do it all over again. Da 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 da. Well, that's what we got today. Saint John is saying uh, one more one. One more time. Uh, I taught it to you last week, but uh, I got to teach it to you again. So I'm sorry, you're going to hear pretty much basically what you heard last week because it's a recap. It's a redo of, well, of everything, of the whole shooting match, of the whole evangelical story and, and what we are called to do with it. As you recall, last week, Jesus appears to disciples. He breathes on them. He gives them this stuff. He gives them instructions uh, to go forth. And then, and then at the end, it says, and then Jesus did many, many more things that are not written in, in this book, but, but he did these things so that you may believe in his name, and therefore you shall may have the fullness of life. End of story. As a matter of fact, some scripture scholars believe that's where John's gospel really does end. And then today he goes, one more one. One more time. And so he adds another story. And, and this story really is a recap of everything um, that's going on. It begins with, at, at, at that time, what, what he's really saying is, after these things. What, after what things? Actually, the whole history of the call of the disciples, his teaching the disciples, his, sending, his, his giving the very stuff of who he is and the breaking of the bread to his disciples and then sending them forth out on mission. And I think John wants to say it again because repetitio est mater studiorum. Well, repetition is the mother of all learning. Now we're told that we almost really need to hear something at least seven times before it begins to sink in. And, and I think what Jesus wants it to do is to sink in on the cellular level, muscular memory. But I think in this case, heart memory of the whole mystery of everything that he has taught us so that we so that our reaction will be the Christ reaction there's a conventional wisdom and then there's the Christ wisdom of course the conventional wisdom is the way that the world does it the way everybody does it the quid pro quo the Christ wisdom is always paradoxical it's always taking us to a place that we are very 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 surprised to be and so the the scene opens up with uh, <laughs> Peter going fishing now, now, some believed or some had thought that, that uh, the reason Peter was going fishing, that he was so dejected after the, the resurrection that he just went back because and, and, that was in his uh, muscle memory to be a fisherman, so he's going to go back to fishing. But I, but I really think what was really going on, it's the retelling of the whole story. So Peter's out there fishing, and the disciples decide to come to be with him. And we know what a good fisherman Peter is. 
as he catches nothing. He throws his net over all, and again, all night long, Lord, we've been at it hard and haven't caught a thing. Jesus is shouting them, and of course they don't know who who it is. He's shouting at them from the shore. He's got a little charcoal fire going there. He's got a couple of fish on it, baking a little bread. Children, have you caught anything? Have you caught anything? No, not nothing. No. Well, then, then you just throw it over on the other side. You've been doing it with conventional wisdom. I'm now going to give you the wisdom of the Christ. It is always paradoxical. It's always almost exactly the opposite of what you think it's going to be. And if you're going to find your life, you're going to lose your life. If you're going to gain, you're going to, you've got to give. That is a great mystery of what our faith calls us to do. And it goes against that, that easy wisdom. And so, of course, they do it. And we know what happens. They haul in this great, huge amount of fish. It's, it's, it's the same story. It's the same story of, of, of the very first time they haul in that great amount of fish. And it's a great amount. One of the things about John, he loves abundance. You never have too much. Yeah. Three huge jugs of water turn into wine. 150 gallons of wine, that can keep them drunk for a month. Feeding 5,000, not counting the women and the children. Abundance. And then this time, I love this. And then Peter's dragging in, he says, bring me some of the fish. Peter's dragging in the fish. And then John goes, 153 of them. I want to know who's counting. You know, when my mother used to make ravioli, homemade ravioli, and it was always a big Easter Sunday meal, and it took hours and hours because she rode the dough and put it in the regat and then put the dough over top, and then, but she would then put them on the bed and she would count them. You know, and depending on how many people were there, it had to be well over 100. But there was something about, well, somebody's counting them. 100, and even though, they had such a huge catch. And John's details are amazing. I'd love to know what, what they mean, but th- th- these are amazing. And they say that he never wasted a word. He always, everything meant something, but I'm not quite sure if we figured out why 153, but I think it's just the abundance. But the net wasn't turned. I think I know why that, that, that why it says, and, 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 and even though he did that, the net did not break. And I think the reason for that is because every time you find the disciples fishing in the Gospels, what are they doing? They're mending their nets. <laughs> They're always filled with holes. Well, this time they're not filled with holes. So they shout out, have you caught anything? And and, and, no, no, nothing. They do it the opposite side. They fill up the boat with fish. And and then John looks and says, Peter, it's the Lord. Just like Peter and John in the foot race on the day of the resurrection are next to each other, and someone gets there first. John gets there first. John, the beloved, uh, the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, there's a great mystery over if that really was John or not, but I think for our purposes, John is just fine. He was, the, he was baby John. He was the one at the cross, the disciple that Jesus loved. Love always gets there first. And, of course, Peter is so impetuous, what does he do? 
you know? He takes off his clothes and jumps in the lake. And before you know it, they're all at shore because they're only 100 yards away from the lake. He probably, the boat probably got there before Peter got there. And then he comes to shore, and of course, they have breakfast. He breaks the bread. The disciples recognized him in the breaking of the bread. I was in Los Angeles all last week and, uh, and to celebrate the 100th birthday of my second mother. And it was just a marvelous experience. And she's, she still lives alone, and she's got a lovely little apartment. And, and, uh, and we had Eucharist around, the, uh, around the, the dining room table. And it was all set for the meal that we were going to have, the banquet we were going to have afterwards. And we broke bread, and the presence of God was absolutely palatable. But the feast wasn't over. Because afterwards, uh, her granddaughter made the food she used to cook when she was a young mother and with her little brood of, 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 of sons, four sons. And, and me, she says, Tony, I always knew when to show up for dinner. <laughs> I always knew when to show up for dinner. She made the homemade manicotti and the whole. We had communion twice. Once sacramentally. No, twice sacramentally. Because she was in her granddaughter who was in the bread and nothing says loving like something from the oven. And that's what we ate. Holy communion. And so the disciples are in holy communion around the charcoal fire with the, the bread and, and the multiplication of the loaves and the, and the multiplication of the fish. And, and then he calls Peter over, and of course we know the story. Oh, Peter. And of course he's in front of the charcoal fire. And of course the, the traditional interpretation of this, I think it's still pretty good too. You know, it's, it's three-time denial. I do not know the man. I do not know the man. I do not know the man. And cursing and yelling and screaming. So the three-time affirmation. And, of course, Jesus says, Peter, do you, do you love me more than these? And I'm not sure if, if the these are the, the fish and the loaves and the bread or the these are the disciples. I, I think the, the, the these is all of creation, and especially the material world that can be passing away, even though the divine dwells in it. And Peter says, well, yeah. yeah the word, of course, the Greek word that, that uh, uh, Jesus uses, agape, uh, agapayo, do you, do you, do you agapami? And, and Peter's response, I'm told the Greek is filio, which means I, I, I deeply care for you. Uh, then he says, feed my sheep. And he has to ask him again, do, do, you, do you love me? Well, well yes, Lord, I feed my lambs. And then he asks him a third time, do you love me? You know everything. You know you love me. You, you, you know I love you. And I love that passage when Peter says, uh, Jesus says, are you going to leave me? And he says, where am I going to go? You have the words of eternal life. You, you know you are in the, in the presence of a spiritual master when you have no idea what they're saying, but you know it's true. He, he says, I don't get you at all. I have no idea what you're talking about, but it's true. Where am I going to go? You have the words of eternal life. I will follow you. Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. He's sending him on a mission. 
He's sending him out on mission. He's sending us out on mission. And he's telling Peter that he's going to follow the same path. And he, he just got to love Peter. You're, you're, you know, when you were a young man, you, you did what you wanted to do. When you're an old man, someone's going to tie a rope around your waist and take you where you would rather not go. This he did to show him how he was going to glorify him. And this isn't in today's scripture, but if you just read a little further, you could see no matter how good Peter is, he's still going to miss it a little bit. Because after he goes through this whole thing, and the last word Jesus says to Peter, and the last word Jesus says to us, is follow me. We do not ever, in, I haven't found it yet, where Jesus says in the Gospels, of course we see it in Revelation and we see it in the, in the Acts of the Apostles, but we never see it in the Gospels where Jesus directly says, worship me. Don't see that. Follow me. Follow me to the cross. And I will give you the fullness of life. This is the way that Peter is going to glorify God by following him to the cross. But old, impetuous Peter can't leave well enough alone because right after this gospel is finished, he turns around and he looks at baby John and says, What about him? Is he going to die too? And Jesus says, It's none of your business. If, if I want him around until I come back again, that's my choice, not yours. Your job is to follow me. Your job is not to compare yourself to somebody else. Your job is to do what I did. Your job is to incarnate me. Your job is to be my body in space and time. Your job is to proclaim good news. Your job is to be good news. Just do it. Do it. And then John ends again. Oh, if we were to write everything that, that Christ did, there would be not enough books in the world to, to fill all the things that go on. You know why? Because we're still writing the book. We're still writing the chapters. I was talking to Sister Mary Lou right before Mass began, and to Pat, and we were talking about spiritual evolution, and we, and we thought that we have evolved so far, and we were convinced after 1945 that we were not going to go through this again. And we're still going through it again. And we haven't learned that much yet. We are technological wizards with medieval spirituality. We've got so much work to do. The question for us is now, what do we do? These are our marching orders. These, these are given to each and every one of us to do. Somewhere, somehow, this week, next week, all the days of our lives.